Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Hallelujah. How many, a couple of weeks ago, we we're talking about favorites. We are God's favorites. Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're God's favorite. But you said, turn, but I'm really his God. I'm really his favorite. I'm, I'm a favorite of God. We, we have his favor. That's what it, and that, that is so important. I, I have come to understand the favor of God is what enables us to get the work done in these end times. We do not have to turn to the arm of our flesh. Favor is the opposite to flesh. You know, it's, it's, it's linked to the grace of God, the enablement of God. So we don't have to work this world system. We don't have to try and get ahead by the world system. Um, you know what? You're in Deuteronomy 33. Um, but in, in Genesis, let me just get the... Um, Chapter 2, verse 20. Let's go back to Genesis. We'll come back to Deuteronomy 33 in a sec. Genesis 20, not Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. And um, talking about when God created Adam and he said something about Adam. He said, look, all these animals are created, but verse 20 says, there was not one found that was a helper suitable for him. There was not nobody that was just right for him. And so God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. Verse 21, took out one of his ribs, closed up the flesh, and God fashioned it into a woman, the rib which had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said to her, oh, this, this now is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Have you ever wondered? And I understand that, how he goes. Because he saw Eve for the first time. He goes, whoa, man. That's how he got the name. Whoa, man. This is different for all the animals. Because, <laughs> like, it says, Adam's, been, Adam's been prayed and all the animals are like, what? And then he sees evil. <laughs> this is what I've been looking for. Woman. Um, and, but it's, it's interesting, that concept, suitable, helper. You know, some people say, oh, the, the, um, the, the role of a helper is so... You know, oh, she's just your servant. That's not, that's not the word. That's not what the concept is at all. In fact, this word for helper um, is actually God uses it of himself as being the helper of Israel. And I don't think God's our servant. I don't think it's, I don't think it's putting God in a low place, right? To call the helper meant that the one who is what they need. Do you know what I mean? And um, so don't ever think that that means a position. No, he, God was giving... Um, Eve a role that he plays and so it's it's not demeaning in any way in fact it's it's quite quite a wonderful and glorious place but the idea was that, that together suitable they're, they're to link they'll work together they'll serve they'll to, to advance the garden of eden throughout the world you know i mean remember god gave them that commandment in um genesis 1 when they were uh, when he created them he said i've given you every plant yielding seed um, and every tree I've given it as food, and every beast. And he says, and um, he says, I, I, I want you to go, and I want you to multi- be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule. He's like, go, fill. And he says, and I'm giving you Eve, so together you can do this. And then sin entered in, and they decided, well, we can do this ourselves. We can we we can work out what's right and wrong. 
good and evil. We'll, we'll be, the, um, we'll be the, the master of that. And that went really well. Not. And um, in chapter... Th- um, it's one of the, the the results of it is that um, something happened between that relationship. Something now was was broken in that that wonderful relationship, um, and instead of being just totally complementary, there was a competition that entered in. There was a sense of trying to, to push and make sure. Well, listen, I've just never, now there's no. You don't have that hundred percent confidence that the other person's going to have your best interest at heart. So you always sort of just got to make sure that I've got to make sure I'm being looked after. And they were saying, well, I'll make sure I get looked after. And a competition entered in. And I, I sort of talk. I, I, I sort of say it's like the elbowing. You know, you know when you know when you see two people walking slowly together, um, but up ahead is an entranceway that only fits one person and, you know, the first person in gets the prize and you sort of see, you know, a little bit of a sort of the elbow tries to get in front and the elbow tries again. You ever seen that? You know, someone two and they're, they're trying to act not run and then eventually they're, they're walking faster and faster and then it's a full-blown sprint and arms are... Well, that's, that's sort of a bit what humanity's become. Instead of us totally in compliment, they're saying, oh, I'm for you and you for me. It's like, I just want to make sure, I, just, I appreciate what you're doing, but I want to get ahead. And that, there's that, that striving and that's trying to look after yourself. And that's what God says is, is, well, hey, hey, trust in me. Trust in me. He says, humble yourself and I will exalt you. Humble yourself and I will lift you up. I'll give you the ultimate example is Jesus. He said, Philippians 2, he said, Jesus, he, he, went to the, he went to the cross and he died. And he said, and I exalted him and gave him the name above all names. I lifted him up. When he died, he was totally reliant on me to both raise him from the dead and raise him to his point again of where he'd gone, come from. He'd left heaven left all the glories of heaven, became a man, died the death of a nasty criminal on the cross, and he trusted, it says, into your hands I commit my spirit. He just totally trusted God to get him up. And to be a follower of Jesus is to yield the elbowing mentality. Instead, you see the person on your right elbow you and run ahead. And the flesh says, not on my watch. (laughs) But the spirit of grace says, I'm not in that competition. I don't need to get in my flesh. I don't need to try and push myself ahead. I don't need to to cheat. I don't need to try and and, um, get into the mess of it. Um, You know, one of the words, when, when we sing, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The concept of holiness is set apart. It's, you take ordinary things, but it's not ordinary. It's being set apart to something holy, something sanct, um, sanctified, clean, pure. It's not messy. And I, I, I get sort of, when I sing holy, 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 I'm often saying, God, you're not, you're not in the muck of this world. <laughs> you know, you're above it. You're so far above it. You're not caught up in, you know, the mess and, the, and all the stuff. 
No, you're above it. And that's what you call me to. You say seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're lifted out of this world of strife and trying to make it happen and run. And we have humbled ourselves in him and we trust that he exalts us and it's favor. See, the problem is I say, oh, if I don't elbow myself, how do I get what, you know, how do I, how do I just not become a doormat and run all over and, you know, become, a, become everybody's whipping boy and, you know, how do I get what, you know, God promised unless I push hard? You say, well, no, no, what you do is you just rest and you say, I am favored of the Lord. I am trusting God. And what happens is, and I don't know how he does it, but he does it rather than me do it. And instead of having to run and elbow, and I just walk at his pace. I do what he says. I says, I put his yoke on me and I get in yoke with him and I stop all the striving and I stop all the anxiety and I, and I get into rest with him. And you know what? When the door comes, bang, they run. Suddenly, I don't know how it happens, but I'm in the door. He's got me there first. He gets me to get the place that I need to. I I don't know how it works, but he works it out. You think of Joseph, part of his house in prison. It's all the wrong ways to getting ahead. Do you know what I mean? That is not the way to get into an exalted leadership position. Oh, study how to become like Joseph. First of all, you've got to go to prison. I don't think that's the way to get ahead. No, you've got to work your way up and you've got to compromise and you've got to cheat and you've got to give up. Your, and, you, and, and then again, God will, then, then man will exalt you. So no, no, I do it my way. And he wouldn't compromise and he went down lower. He wouldn't give up. And then God, God brought him out. That's favor. That's favor. All right. And favor is the opposite of the elbowing mentality. We, and if we, if we try and bring God's kingdom into this world, but use the world's system, we end up compromising, we end up trying to appease, we end up trying to water down our message so it doesn't offend anybody, we try and live a life that makes people happy with us, and so we sort of, oh, you know, I'm so cool, I can say the words that you say, and I can live like you, can, and I can watch what you watch, and I can do what you do, and I can dress like you dress, and you will finally accept me and say, hey, you're the coolest Christian there is, let us give you a place in our lives to talk about Jesus, and I get there, and, I, and I've got no message to give. But I can do it all opposite, do the very opposite of what, he, what the world says to do, and he can exalt me. That's called favor. Favor is what gets us to get the job done, enables us to get ahead, enables us to do what God's called us to do without the need and without having to go through the Babylonian system. It's awesome. And so we need to work our favorite status out and, and move into it and enjoy it and embrace it because it's what gets us through. You know, we had a, a situation um, you know, only a couple of years ago now. Um, God really put it on my heart and a prayer team were praying to connect with the local schools and we'd connected with the primary school and God had just opened that up. And I really felt to connect with the high school. We didn't know anybody, didn't know anything there. So I felt, go down, make connection. You know, you, you, oh, God's going to make you know, just the right time. And I got down there. Who should I see? should see the chaplain. Oh, I'll see the chaplain. Where is he? He's not in. Oh, what can I do? Oh, you can leave a message. And I know how that sort of works. You know, you leave a message. Go on. Here's my card. Love to chat with the chaplain. Don't know anything. Don't even know what we're offering. Just make that connection. And then hear nothing for a few weeks. And you just think, well, that, you know, you don't even know if the card's been handed on or whatever. Then the chaplain does. He has got the card. Just taking time. 
we connect, we begin talking, um, you know, become good friends in one sense. We, we, I, I, he's a great guy, and, but he's going through a hard time. And um, he, he's said this and shared this. Um, he shared this at a, his um, chaplain conference, you know, conference, conference. <laughs> Chaplaincy conference. That's what I was trying to say, not chaplain conference. His chaplaincy conference, and um, he shared what had happened. And he said he, he was, the school was just really getting to him. He was in a real hard place. He was just, and he had had this amazing program running, um, teaching leadership skills, which was enabling people, you know, year nine, eight, nine, ten, around that level, that over two years, they would get resilience. This is a school where, you know, 85% or something of the children were, were classified as at risk. Not, not in, at risk. So he said, and he had this great program going. And then someone um, came into the school, was doing something, and they saw the, the manual on what it was doing. And because it had come out of the Scripture Union, it had to get children to reach their God-given potential as one of the front pages. And because it said God... And it's, oh, this is a Christian program, even though it was really just about developing resili- resiliency and leadership skills and strength, the program was shut down. The whole thing was shut down. And he was so disappointed because there was nothing in place and then the school's going through all this and the, the principal would come and say, oh, why don't we, can't we solve problems? And he goes, we had a program. He said, in fact, they've rewritten the program to just be the principles without putting the word God given at the start because it's the same program, but it's going to tick all the boxes. And they're like, no, still not, you know, still might get us in some trouble. It's an amazing program. So he is, he's just frustrated, hitting the wall. And so we just joined, and as a church, we began to pray. And he said, something broke in the heavenlies. He said, something just broke over me, something broke. But he said, I want you guys to come down do a brekkie club. He said, but if I say there's a church that wants to come and help me with the brekkie club, he said there were some churches helping, but he said, I can't, I'm not in a position to go and recommend a church because I just think, oh, he's trying to get this thing in again. He said, I'd love you guys to come down. He says, I don't know how to do it without, you know. And I said, I can't go down. He can't go down. So he said, he went, so how do we do this? Favor. You just trust God's favor. He goes to the principal and says, we really need another brekkie club running in these days. He said, we don't have the resources. And so the principal said, well, ring the Knox Council. See what they resources they can offer. So I said, I don't know what they can offer, but I'll ring them. So he rings the Knox Council. And the council said, oh, well, we can't help. But, but they said, there's a church called Breakthrough. <laughs> the person he spoke to I've never met, don't know. I don't know how this happened. They said there is a church called Breakthrough. They are what they would be a good fit and help for you. I got no idea to this day how that happened. And he's like, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea." He gets off the phone like, "How did that just happen?" So he goes to the principal and said, oh, "I was speaking to the council. They say we should contact this church called Breakthrough." And he said, "Well, if that's what they said. That's what we should do. Just do what the council said." He said, oh, okay, I'll find out the number and give them a call. <laughs> and I remember him ringing me and saying, you'll never believe this, what's happened. He said, God just made this happen. We could not, I couldn't have done it. 
If I'd got tried to manipulate and work, what a mess. But, but favor, favor got us that. Favor opened that opportunity. Favor opened that door. See, that's, the, that's why we need to be God's favorites. That's how we bring his influence into this world. That's how we get through doors that we shouldn't get through. That's how we get into places we shouldn't get to. That's how God raises us up and turns things around. That's how it works because we are God's favorites. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. I'm God's favorite. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need to know what is in our resource, all right? Because we don't, we, you know, we sort of grow up learning the other resources. I learned in, you know, I learned as a young age, one of the resources is if, I've, if someone's got something I need and I don't have it, the resource is just to hit them. You know, you know remember three-year-old playgroup? The thing, the toy in your hand becomes the weapon of influence. <laughs> I want that block. <laughs> Look, it works. <laughs> and how many of you, that's just not the right way. But some people haven't learned, you know, they're still 45 years of age and just using, I'll make this happen. So, you know, in the world we learn a system and it's not the right system. We learn to cheat, we learn to lie, we learn to manipulate, we learn to bribe, we're doing all sorts of things. All right? No, no, no. We need to know what are our resources as God's favorites. We need to take that coat off and put this coat on, the favorite. And two weeks ago, I, taught, I shared about one of the coats based on God's blessings and provision on the children of Israel. As, as they were going into the promised land, the tribes were given blessings suitable for them to get the job done. What are the, and, we, and how many remember the tribe that we talked about last week? Um, Naphtali. I say Naphtali because my family's been saying all week, or last two weeks, that tribe, Nafi, whatever. You know, just quite, couldn't quite get the name. Naphtali, the, the name of one of the great um, the tribes. And well, I want to give you another a coat today. We'll just be a shorter coat, maybe, like a, a vest. You know. It's a full coat, but we'll do it shorter because we want to get down to that park and enjoy some family time. And so Deuteronomy 33, I want to tell you another code of resource that God has given us and for you to stand bold in and for you to press into and get doors open to you to be enable you to do what God has called you to do. And it's from the verse 12. It's the code of Benjamin. All right. Look at the person next to you. You, you look good in the code of Benjamin. <laughs> the Benjamin coat. Oh, yeah, man. It's a well-fitting Good coat. He said, hey, Benjamin, verse 12, I want to declare this to you. Now, first of all, I want to just point out something of Benjamin. It's a really interesting fact that Benjamin was not the name originally given to him. I don't know whether you remember, know this or remember this. Um, Benjamin's name, um, let me see. If, uh, Genesis 35. Let's just go back there. We'll read, we will get to Deuteronomy 33, but Genesis 35, let's just. Um, because he had a pretty sad, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but it was his, his mother died during birth. Um, she, she had a severe labor and um, she had a, the son was born. And as her soul was departing, she did one final thing. She named that baby out of the anguish and pain that she had just been experiencing. So she called the child Ben-Oni, which is son of my sorrow. 
So he was given the name, son of my sorrow. And she died. And Jacob said, you know what? Um, But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The right hand is the place of favor, the place of the good things, the blessing. I appreciate what Jacob just did. Sometimes people put labels on you out of their own pain. It's just just what happens. People, through their own suffering and their own frustrations and their own hurts, will put that on you and prophesy that to you and declare that to you. And I appreciate that Jacob stepped in straight away. You know, there's another um, son that this happened to, but they, he never, he actually didn't get a new name, but he just had to, to, to ride this through. But he changed what was happening in him. Um, I don't know, where there's, there's actually a very famous prayer that you can buy in plaques. And anyway, um, we've got some people that have worked in Kurong or work in Kurong, Christian bookstore. And um, the prayer of Jabez. Anyone ever heard the prayer of Jabez? All right, so there's a prayer. Have ever seen anyone seen a plaque with the prayer of Jabez on it or a cup or, or you know, because the prayer of Jabez is this, and, oh, God, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. But this, especially that first part they take, you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border. The prayer of Jabez for expansion and enlargement. It's sort of the only place he's sort of, this is in the middle of Chronicles when it's talking um, all these uh, genealogies and, and, and all the names. So they just stop and they just say, I want to tell you about Jabez. And he says, you know, Jabez says, you know what? I want to expand. I want to get large. But it's interesting what it says at the end. He says um, that you would keep me from harm and that may not pain me. Pain won't be part of my future and I won't be a part of bringing pain that I would just move forward and enlarge, but no pain. Why did he say that? Because in verse 9 it says, Um, His mother named him Jabez because she bore him in pain. She said, that boy's a pain. Thanks, mum. And his dad didn't rename him. So all his life is Jabez, the pain. But he said, you know what, God? I want you to break me free from this. And I want to bring, I don't want to bring pain to people. I want it to be opposite. I'm not going to bring pain. I'm not going to be a part of the pain. Pain's not going to be my future. So even if people out of their frustration or out of their pain or out of their suffering have put a label on you, favor means you do not have to stay under that declaration. You can be changed. You can be transformed. You can be, and God will give you a name that matches who you are. You know, you find in the Bible that at times God would come and just change names. You know, Peter's, Peter's name was Simon, which meant a reed, something which was easily broken. I'm going to call you Peter the Rock. You've gone from wishy-washy to a foundation. And so there's, there's a place where God will speak. And he'll say, so if you have come from a place where you feel as if, oh, man, I've been given a name that just, I'm not, you know, my name might be you know, a normal name, but the label they put on me. Is much is really harsh. You know, you, you never you're never going to amount to anything. Label. What are you going to do? You're, you're just. 
And sometimes people are speaking just out of their own frustration, their hurt, or they've seen you do something and they say, that's you, that's who you are. You're just a nothing, you're a no good, you're a... Well, praise God, favorites do not stay bound by that. We get our identity through who we are in Jesus and what he has given us and the favor he's given us. And Benjamin means son of my right hand or son of my favor or... Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. One of the commentaries said, you know, it's like, man, my, my, my son that shows I'm, I'm really lucky, you know, and I don't, but I don't, I don't believe in luck, so I don't think it's a great dis- description, do you know what I mean? There's no such thing as luck. But what it's, what it's trying to convey is, you're good for me. You're, a good, you're good for me. You're Benjamin. So let's go to, Gen- um, to Deuteronomy 33 and say, okay, I'm going to wear the... I'm the son of the right hand of God, man. I'm, I'm right here. I'm in Christ. And it says, what does it say about it? He said, may the beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him. Now, the beloved of the Lord, often we think, oh, that's God, that's Jesus. No, no, that's talking about Benjamin, like the New Living Translation. The people of Benjamin are loved by the Lord. The people, are, we are loved by God. God loves us. God loves us. That's part of the favor is being loved by God. We're loved. God loves me. God loves me. Oh, that's important. And it's important to know that we are loved by God. It's really important. It's, you know, because if, if you get your um, concept of what God's attitude is to you skewed or, you know, God's out to get me, God's, a, you know, some people are like, oh, that, that'd be right. That'd be right. <laughs> when something goes wrong, that'd be right because I'm, I'm just waiting for it to all come crashing down. You know, things are too good. Things are too good. You know, God, God's, yeah, God's smiling. He's setting me up then. He'll get me. That type of attitude towards God. You know, and the children of Israel had developed some attitudes towards God so that when situations happened, they framed and thought, ah, that's right. That's what God is thinking me. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, I think it is. Let me just let's go back. Um, okay, verse 26 of chapter 1. Remember that um, Kyra preached this last Sunday when she said that they went and they sent the 12 spies and only two came back with a good report saying God is with us, God can do this, Joshua and Caleb. But all the rest said, oh, we can't do this. We can't, this, this is not going to happen. And um, it actually says here why, why they, they heard this report and then they, they, they put a filter on it to, to hear what they heard. So Because when, when they came back, 10 spies says it's an amazing land but we can never take it. Two spies came back and said, it's an amazing land. We can surely take it. Same report, but two different responses. Sometimes people think I need things to change so my faith can be released. No, you don't. You know, it's often you just, you just need to believe what God says, not wait for things to change. It's not the things that are stopping you. It's the, it's the filter you're putting over it. And, um, Deuteronomy 1, verse 28, um, verse 27, says, And you grumbled in your tents, and you, this is what they said, and said, Because the Lord hates us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. They said, Because he, he, that's right, that's right, 
Because I know God doesn't like us. That's why he brought us here. He just brought us here because he's going to destroy us by the Amorites, like which doesn't even make sense. And that's what Moses said, it doesn't even make sense. He delivered you from the Egyptians. He brought you through the Red Sea, which was closed, opened up, brought it, and then closed it down on the Egyptians behind you just so he could destroy you in this place. Yeah, I'm going to get them out of slavery so I can destroy them over here. Doesn't even make sense. But in their bitterness and their view, suddenly they saw through, yeah, this is what God wants. This is what. And if we do not understand God's love for us, we will, we will view things in our life the wrong way. When things happen, we'll say, oh, man, that's because God hates me or God doesn't like me. Or, I'm cursed of God and my family are not going to do anything. You know, I'm always, you know, we, we're seeing this because we're putting a filter that God's like, yeah, brought them to this place just so I could crush them. Um, I could go into a little bit of why. I, I, I had, I'd forgotten until Kyra was sharing it last week um, the reason why God had to kill them is because they actually spoke it and prophesied it over themselves. And even they said, children, it's all there. They, they, they actually spoke their future into their own circumstances out of their understanding of God's hatred. And you, you know, um, well, I'll give you another example of this, how this works. Um, in Exodus... Uh, let's see, maybe chapter, chapter 15. All right, so um, remember they came, out, <laughs> they came out of the, through the Red Sea, closes behind them, kills all their enemies. They sing an amazing song. Chapter 15 they all sing up, I will sing to the Lord for he is exalted, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. What a song. They all dance. They all celebrate. God is so good. He's amazing. And um, they've got a timbrel going. And verse 22. So that's a long, great song. And Moses led the Israel from the Red Sea and they went out to the wilderness of Shur and they were there three days in the wilderness. Three days. Three days, what mighty people of faith, rock solid, can't be moved. Three days in the wilderness, and they can't find water in those three days. And eventually, they find some water. Yes, finally. And they go to drink it, and it's bitter. The waters are poisoned. They can't be drunk. And they grumbled. What shall we drink? They're all upset. Three days. Because they get to this water and they can't drink it. But remember that filter, God hates us? I'll tell you another filter they had, Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. Let's see if it's there. Uh, No, that's not the right verse. 7 verse 15. That will make more sense, hopefully. And this is what he's speaking 40 years later. He says, And the Lord will remove from you all sickness, and he will not put on you any of the harmful diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but he will lay it on those who hate you. They were looking 
at this, at what God had done to the um, Egyptians and said, that's what he wants to do to us. That's what he did. That's what he wanted to do to us. That's what he wanted to do to us. He's just been waiting for an opportunity. That's what he's really like. That's what he's really like. He's the God who just wants to crush them. Um, he just wants to get us. Um, and if we have that sort of thing, oh, you know, that's what God really wants. He just loves crushing people. He loves stomping on people. It filters through to when things happen. That's how we see this life. And we see, oh, God's the God who likes to curse. And God's the God who likes to put diseases on. And in, I mean, in Exodus 15, what did God actually say? He said, I actually want to tell you what I am and who I am. He said, I am the Lord, your healer. I'm the one who heals you. I'm the one who will restore you. I'm your doctor. That's what I am. Deuteronomy 28, verse 60, he says, um, all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid. Talks about all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid. So when they saw the bitter water, they saw it through the, the filter of fear. God's going to get us to. This is what he's like. This is what he's going to do. Instead of, I know, I know what God's like. You know what my God is? My God is the healer. His heart and nature is to heal. He loves me. I have to wear the coat of Benjamin that says, you know what? I don't care what happens. My God loves me. I am beloved of God. The love of God is on me. His love, his love is working in my life. I want to announce, so I just want to give you some scriptures. This is maybe not going to be a revelation. You know, if I said, I'm going to a new revelation for you this morning, God loves you. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa. Pastor, settle down. What is this brand new revelation that you're bringing to us? This strange word. Well, you know, you know, you, you know God loves you. But I just want you to make sure it fits you really well and you're wearing the coat that God loves you. So I just wanted to share. I, I, what I said, Lord, I want to share three things that are the result of God's love for us. Because he loves us, this is what he's done for us. Because he loves us. And we need to say, I'm loved because of these things that God shows. You know, we, we know the classic scripture, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. The greatest demonstration of his love is the fact that he sent Jesus. Every time you try and think of something, oh, why is this happening? Say, you know what? He loved me so much, he sent Jesus. John 15, 18 says, greater love has no man than the sacrifice is love. He's, he, Philippians 2 talks about Jesus leaving heaven with all the privileges and setting that aside and becoming a human and having to live under that, knowing that then he was going to come to from a baby on. You know, he didn't even just arrive as a full-blown man. He had to do it tender and and, and been cared for and looked after and grew up. And then knowing that at some point he's going to not just live this life, but they're going to take him and they're going to take the creator, the one that loves them, that has left heaven to come down here. And people are going to stand there and shout, crucify him. And unknown to them, they're fulfilling the very plan that God has for them to be put on the cross. And the curse of our, our curse to be put on him. 
because he loves us. Because he loves us. He did all that. He, he loves us. He loves us. Have I told you that God loves you? 1 John 4.10, let me just read that to you. It says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son to be the propitiation of his sons. Oh, I like what it says. Um, By this love, verse uh, 17. Oh, let's read verse 16. And we have come to know him and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. The one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Because he's saying, you do not need to fear when you go and stand before the throne of God. The judgment seat of God. There is no fear there. Why? Because love is this. Cast that out of you. Your, your revelation of God's love has, re, has removed any fear of your approaching God. So we just, just enjoy the love of God. I want to read to you a scripture um, um, from the book of Romans. I read many, many years ago. And I was reading it in the Living Bible, so I'll quote it from there. I've written that into my Bible here. I can still remember reading this scripture. I can still, this would be, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 30 years ago, a long time ago. I can still remember sitting on the, I was the veranda at, at our old church building, my Bible. I don't know what I was doing just during the week. It wasn't, you know, there was, and reading, and reading this verse. It was like, <laughs> drop the microphone. <laughs> Why hasn't anyone else seen this? <laughs> Why hasn't anyone else read this verse in the whole world? You know, you know those types of revelations? It's sort of like, I want to tell the world, and you know, then you tell some Christians like, "Yeah, you didn't know that." Oh, it was new to me. You know those types of, you know those revelations. They're just amazing. But I like because it was the way the Living Bible wrote it. The way the Living Bible put it just helped me to see it so clearly. And so let me just read it to you from the Living Bible. Verse ten of Romans five says, "Since when we were his enemies, so since when we were his enemies." We were brought back to God by the death of his son. What blessings he must have for us now that we're his friends and he's living within us. If Jesus died for you when you were his enemy, what's his attitude to like towards you now that you're on his side? <laughs> okay, if, if Jesus Okay, I can't think of a higher thing that God could do than have Jesus die for us. And he did that for us when we were his enemies. What's he going to give to you now that you're his sons? And some people get upset. Oh, you're praying for a car park. You're praying for this. You're praying for money. You're praying. That's nothing. You should... That's what he did for me when I was against him. He'll do anything. Now that we're his friends, now that we're his sons, now that we're his family. So because he loved us, he rescued us. In verse, actually, um, this is actually, you can stay right there. In Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. The biggest demonstration of his love is that he died for you. Jesus gave his life for you. And, oh, so there's much more than having now been, having now been justified. We've been saved. Now, now that we are saved, what's his attitude going to be towards us? I'm beloved. I'm, I'm loved by God. I am loved by God. His favor rests on me. His gracious gifts are just on me. And people say, oh, you're so full of pride. No, I'm just loved. I am just loved. And he loves me and pours it on me so that I can now be an influence in this world and turn this world to him. That I can go and witness to those around me that we can get into places we shouldn't get in. I can take from, from Revelation that, that very promise he gave to the church of Philadelphia. He said, I am he who opens doors that no man can shut. Because of the favor. I, that's how we get our opportunities. That's what God does for us. That's who we are because we're loved. He loves us. Oh, he loves us. He loves us. Ephesians 1.8 says, read verse 7. Um, According to the riches of his grace, I love the New American, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight. He just made abundant towards me. He just poured out towards me. Freely given to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am highly favored because he loves me. And he's rescued me, but then he hasn't just rescued He's poured out his blessing and his grace in lavish proportions on me. And... Um, one, and see, one, what that does is it enables us. Um, if you, you got the, you got the, um, you got the love jacket on, the Benjamin jacket, all right? Do you want to read what his dad said about him? That said, what we were reading in Deuteronomy was what Moses was prophesying, what Moses saw. But when you read what Jacob saw, you almost think it's two different things. Go back, let's look at uh, Genesis 49. See what the love jacket looks like. Oh, I'm loved. I'm beloved of God. God loves me. God's favors on me. God has blessed me. He loves me. He loves me. What does this do to me? You know, now thinking about going into the promised land. I'm going into the promised land. I'm going into the promised land. I'm going to fight. I'm going to face enemies. You're going to face enemies. You're going to face things this week. You're going to face things that are trying to resist you, push back, destroy what God's put in your life. You're going to face them. And you say, I'm loved of God. You know, I, 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 I remember, um, um, seeing um, a TV show many, many years ago where this guy got himself into a fight with, um, with a gang sort of thing. You know, it, was a, it was a comedy, so there wasn't, you knew there wasn't going to be any real blood or anything like that. But this guy was not a fighter. And he called on his friend. And his friend brought a friend. So the three of them are there against this gang. And um, they're like, <laughs> and they're laughing. And, who's, and who's, who's your friend? He goes, ah, no, you remember, he, he's won the, um, the dancing competition for the region. You know what I mean? He was the, he was the best dancer and he won the, And they're like, and they're laughing. And he also won the Golden Gloves boxing for the region. And they go, ah, that dancing guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a good dancer, but he's also a good fighter. <laughs> and suddenly the whole mood changed. Because when they said he won the dancing competition... 
They're like, <laughs> and then they learned that he was actually an expert boxer as well. And he proceeded to beat them up and they all walked out happy, you know, because that's how it works out in these movies. Um, you're loved by God. Woo, I got my love jacket on. And the enemy was like, oh, the love jacket. Ooh, the love jacket. He say, oh, yeah, Genesis 49. Let me tell you what this love jacket looks like. You know what, you got, when you've got the love of God on you and you're coming against your enemy? Genesis 49 says this is how Jacob prophesied over him. Remember it says he's blessing them with a blessing that's appropriate to them. He said, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey and in the evening he divides the spoil. Oh, that love. <laughs> that love. <laughs> oh, oh, you've got that love on you. You know, the love that will... Eat us up for breakfast and divide our spoils in the afternoon. That kind of love. Yeah, that's the kind of love God put on you. You're the Benjamin love. The Benjamin love is no pushover. The Benjamin devours his enemies. He's like the wolf. Amen. Literally, it means the wolf that tears, rips apart his enemy. So you've got the love jacket on and you turn around. It's got the wolf on the back, you know. You know, you know, they say, oh, you're the love guy. He turn around and goes, oh, that guy. <laughs> the wolf love. So we are loved by God. And that gives us the ability to use his favor to go in and take hold. And not a Benjamin's love of God and he gets what he does. And I'll tell you, um, well, we'll just leave it there. There's more, there's more things that God does because he loves us. Well, let me just tell you one thing. We won't, um, you know, one of, one of the manifestations of the love of God, and we won't take time to read the scriptures, is he takes the lonely and he puts them in families. That's a manifestation of God's love for us and care for us. He loves you so much, he doesn't leave you alone. He puts you into the body of Christ. Love of God, a manifestation of the love of God is to take us now and to knit us together with the body so that we have his love now flowing into us through the body and we are now a part of that body. It's, part of, it's a manifestation of the love of God that we have family Sunday because <laughs> he loves us. Because he loves us. He just doesn't leave us out alone. He actually now knits us together. It's a manifestation of his care for us. He knits us together. We are not just wearing the wolf. We are part of the wolf pack. <laughs> we are the wolf pack this morning. We're going to go on a picnic and we're going to devour our food. <laughs> Anyone who gets Kentucky Fried Chicken today is going to... Oh. <laughs> because he loves us. He puts us together as a family and we run together and we work together. A wolf pack. And we take hold of, of their, our enemies. Now we, you know, now we don't do that. See, we don't, we, we're not a wolf pack in the flesh. You know, we're not tough and we're not going to win this world by being tough. No, we're doing it by favour. We don't have to do it the world's way. We do things like 
dying to self, sacrificing our own lives for our others. We give up our own. <laughs> oh, the real, and you know what? But we take the spoils of the enemy because it just undoes everything the enemy is trying to do. We break down his plans. We ruin his, we, we rip apart the things the enemy's been trying to do for years and we just take the spoils because we do it his way because we're loved of God. So I want us just to know our second coat is our Benjamin coat. We're loved by God and we're a part of the wolf pack. And we're going to get things done. 